get it, get it, get it. Houses, 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 houses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to The Stars Made Me Do It. We are back to basic-ing with Houses Part 2. So if you haven't caught... Oh, it's Mimi here. We have also got Sierra here. What's up? Uh, and hello. Yes. If you've never listened to an episode before, this is your first ever episode. I'm going to tell you to stop right here and please go listen to part one of the houses episode. There's a lot of good information at the beginning of that that we might not repeat at the second part. We're going to be diving into the seventh through the twelfth house. And before we get into that, make sure you follow us on Instagram at the stars made me podcast and join us on Patreon. Because we're putting out exclusive content every single week, but we put out like a secret episode just for our patrons, our stars, and it's very lovely and it's nice to hang out and chat with you guys. So that's patreon.com slash the stars made me do it. Yeah. And like Mimi said, the beginning of our part one episode gives some general information on houses. So mm-hmm. we're not going to be repeating that. We're going to just be giving you the information on houses seven through 12. So make sure you at least listen to the beginning part of our part one episode to get an idea of what the heck houses even are. And so tootly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. <laughs> and once again, check us out on Patreon if you want to hang out with us <laughs> and our weirdness. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So what I will say is we left part one talking about how the first through sixth house is all at the bottom of the chart. And so it's very much about like what is going on in the inner world and below the surface and not completely public. And oppositely, the seventh through twelfth house is what is seen in the public, how we show up, what we put out into the world. And that's called the northern hemisphere. And also what you'll find through each of these houses is that For example, with the seventh house, which we're going to get into right now, it's all about relationships and everybody that isn't you. And the seventh house is directly opposite the first house, which is all about you. And so that's sort of a theme throughout all of the second half of the houses that they directly oppose their opposite. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, I got you. Ta-da. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, exactly like Mimi said, the we talked about the first house in part one. And so when we talk about the seventh house, that opposing house, there's going to be energies that are both completely connected to and kind of opposing in that way. Mm -hmm. Same way. If you have listened to some of our episodes before, you've got an opposition in your chart. You've got two signs that are opposite one another. They are going to have similar energies they share. And also at the same time, completely opposite energies that they're Mm -hmm. pulling at either side of that spectrum. So that's kind of what we are getting into in the second half of these houses is bringing the, you know, the other side to the first six houses that we talked about. So we will refer back to, okay, the seventh house that we're going to get into is opposite the first house. So you'll see how those Mm -hmm. energies connect to one another. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into it. The seventh house. This is our third angle out of all of the houses. It's got a correlation to Libra. If you don't know what that means, seriously, what are you doing here? Go listen to the first part of this house's series, okay? We will be here when you come back. Anyway, it's an angular house. And the sign on the cusp of the seventh house is called the descendant, which is exactly opposite the ascendant or also known as the rising sign. And so this is instead of how you approach the world and how the world sees you, this is how you approach your relationships and the relationships that you seek. So it's sort of what you seek from everybody else rather than what it is that you put out. Exactly. And we, you know, that first house is so personal. And the Mm -hmm. seventh house is really 
like we said, it's everybody else. It's everybody else. Mm -hmm. First house is me. Seventh house is everybody except me. And that's why we do see that correlation with that Libra energy, because Libra is so good at seeing the other perspective. It's so good at seeing all sides to things of where everybody else is coming from. And it is very social. There's a, Mm -hmm. you know, Libra is a social sign. And so we have, this is very much a relationship house relationship, meaning sure in a, you know, romantic relationship, but also just in relationships of people in your life. Yeah. What's so fun about the descendant ascendant relationship is that it's like a perfect example of opposites attract in a way because your ascendant your rising is what you put out there but your descendant which is always going to be exactly opposite it is what you're seeking from other people what you're seeking from your relationships so you know if you are like me i'm a leo rising i put myself out there as expressive and as friendly and warm. And what I seek from my relationships, the descendant or the seventh house cusp is Aquarian energy. I seek someone who has the larger picture in mind that isn't always thinking about how they're expressing themselves. That has like a form, a bit of a detachment from their own expression of self. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, you know, very much an, well, They both have ego in mind, you know, they're both Mm -hmm. the Leo Aquarius, like you mentioned there, but then you've got, Hey, I'm externally expressing. And then you've got this, Hey, let's look at the larger picture here. Exactly. Exactly. And so that is that opposites attract in a way. And so this is a really fun place to look at. Hey, I know my ascendant. So I'm a Sagittarius ascendant. That's the way in which I present myself. People see me in this very like large world traveling way, big philosophies, that that larger thinking in a way. And then my seventh house, which is what I'm looking for in other people, is like the the more smaller details. Like I want to know, oh my gosh, you know the story yeah, behind exactly sorry, Gemini energy. You know the story behind the place that I've been. Like I've traveled here. You know the history of that fun fact, you know, it's very mm-hmm. much that, that mental energy and connection with people. And so look at what sign rules your seventh house in order to find, you know, what you seek in other people. And yeah. again, we'll get into like the relationship part of this too, this angular house as you, as you, you know, learn from part one, these angular houses just are so potent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you have a lot of planets in your seventh house, pay attention to what each one is, because it's sort of what you gain from your relationships, what you learn from your relationships, how your relationships manifest in your life. I remember when I started learning about astrology and I read about Saturn in the seventh house and seventh house is also because it's relationships. It's also marriage, any partnership, legal partnership, business partners. It's just you plus someone. It's sort of like the plus one in the chart. And I remember reading about Saturn being in the seventh house and how Saturn rules long game and delays. And when someone has Saturn in the seventh house, A, they like the person they're in a relationship to be very grounded, very practical. And also their perhaps partner or their marriage may be found later in life because of that delayed aspect. So pay attention. It's yes, it's the qualities of the people that you like to surround yourself by or with and the qualities of the people that really teach you a lot in your life but it's also the situation that relationships show up as 
Do you, do you have Mercury in your seventh house? Your relationships are probably mostly like friendships. You probably have a huge focus on your friends or Jupiter in the seventh. You probably have a large group of people that you call your inner circle. Whereas if you had like Venus or no, like moon in the seventh, you only surround yourself with people that you're really comfortable and feel really safe with. Yeah. I also, this is something that I have just come across in my, I don't know, studies of all the things that Mm -hmm. in seventh house, whatever, if you do have planets there, I have seen it described as the area in which you should not completely give away that energy to other people fully because Mm. seventh house has a tendency of that, you know, Libran, almost like people pleasing. And so if you have... Uh, Venus in the seventh house, of course, you're going to naturally have that like loving relationships and give, give, give. But remember that you need to show yourself love in that way too. If you have sun and you're always showing up for everybody else in your life, it's a reminder you do need to show up for yourself too. So I think there is Mm -hmm. like that, depending on the planet that we have in the seventh house, it is a reminder that we have a tendency of giving all of that to other people and we don't want to give everything that we have. Yeah, it's also sort of deal breaker energy in the seventh house. Like if I want anything from my relationships, it all comes down to, for me, Aquarius energy. I need my people in my life to be aware of the causes that they care most about, right? Having humanitarian Mm -hmm. efforts, seeking progress. That's sort of like the deal breaker. If you don't have that awareness, it's not going to be like a really cohesive relationship between me and that other person. Yes. And I've got Gemini on the seventh house and with my relationships and just thinking about, you know, the people that I am, you know, the energy that I'm attracted to both in a friendship and romantic wise is like, if you can make me laugh and if we can talk Mm -hmm. and Gemini energy is this witty, silly, and very, um, you know, just mile a minute, constantly stimulating with all new ideas and conversation. And that is, I feel so proud to be your friend because we've just spent like three hours talking before this. So I'm like, okay, yes, (laughs) no, it's so true though. Like my relationships with people, like it doesn't mean that I can't value you as a person. If you're not a chatty person, no, everybody's different. But as far as what I seek, it's, you know, I think of this with, with Martha, our other co-host, how when we Mm -hmm. hang out and her partner's like, so what did you and Sierra do? And she is a Gemini rising, you know, and we're like, um, we talked for six hours. Like we mm-hmm. sat and talked for six hours. Yes. And that's like, that is my ideal thing for my birthday parties. I don't need there to be an activity. Just come and talk with me. All of my friends, mm. let's just all talk and gather in an eclectic group and share ideas that yeah. so look at, you know, if you've got Taurus on your seventh house, which is actually my partner, you know, mm-hmm. the, like what you value is actually like, you know, what you find in other people is seeking other people is people who really do have values. They Mm -hmm. are very clear in what they value. Also, probably, you know, it could show up as very stable, a very stable person, Mm -hmm. a very, you know, what I say is what I do. And I really have steady and clear values. Yeah, the seventh house is really balancing you out. And that's, again, speaking to like the opposing energy where the first house is a strong mask, your strong personality that you put out there. And we're always seeking something to balance us out so that we're not super concentrated in that ascendant energy. The seventh house, I feel like out of all of the houses is the one that like 
has the least topics in it. It's like seventh house is relationships and whatever that means to you in that, right? Like, sure, <laughs> yeah. we can get into like contracts, legal agreements. Like, yes, if you're going to be in court a lot, maybe you have a lot of seventh house placements and being in court or maybe you're a lawyer, right? That sort of fairness and equality being a factor there. But for the most part, the biggest umbrella, 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 excuse me, <laughs> I had to say that a couple of times, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Biggest umbrella term for seventh house relationships, everybody that isn't you. Yeah. And if we think about that, you know, what I keep bringing back to the, you know, living in this house, whatever you've got living mm -hmm. in this house, you've got that Libra influence there and, or the same themes are very prevalent in this area. And so if whatever you've got going on, like Libra is all about relationships. Libra learns through life, experiences life through relationships. And so if you have your son in the seventh house, I feel like your home would be decorated by Libra and energy. So aesthetics, you know, like that mm. is something where having pleasant, like <laughs> visuals and also yeah. peace and tranquility, because that is something harmony is a big word, you know, for yeah. Libra energy. And it's also the scales and so if we think about contracts, legal agreements, even marriage, that's a legal agreement and relationships. Mm -hmm. It's when you turn a relationship and make it legal it makes me think of, you know, it, this is bringing a little energy that's going to show up somewhere else too. But like, I'm even thinking like business partnerships, like you and your, you know, yeah. partner, if you are, if you are, I don't know, own a company together, if you are part of a podcast together, what's up? And, you know, <laughs> what you seek in a partnership of any kind, especially when yeah. there is that legal agreement going on there, because it is, it's a relationship. It is a relationship when you have that contract with somebody. Yeah. And I think this word is such a huge part of my vocabulary partner. I call my person, my partner. I don't call him my boyfriend or my husband. He's my partner. And I think that that seventh house, if we weren't to use relationship, it would definitely be your partnerships, how yes. you come together to seek harmony, because ultimately a relationship or a partnership is two very different people, how they come together and how they make their two different worlds collide and work together in this enmeshing. And I think the seventh house helps us find it's like the tool that we can use to see where how do we find the balance between our two worlds and how do we come together in this partnership? And what do yes. we both need in order to feel safe in this partnership? Yes. And that's, again, why this angular house is so, you know, it it, it feels like it carries a lot of weight there because like the mm -hmm. ascendant first house, it's so full of how I approach things, how people see me, what is my, you know, intention going into life. And then we mm -hmm. have the fourth house, which is that nadir and this underbelly, like what is going on underneath all of it? How do I, what's my hidden self? What's my inner world? And then we've got mm -hmm. this first time that we have this opposing house. Okay. It's opposing that ascendant. And so now we're like, what do I seek in other people? And unless you are like hardcore hermit living alone, You've always got other people. You got like, even if you do live alone, you got to go to the grocery store and interact with other people, you know, like people mm -hmm. are a part of the world. And so it's a huge, like part of your chart to know and explore. And as yeah. someone who does not have any placements in my seventh house, I find, I still find so much from just knowing that my descendant, my seventh house 
is Gemini. And that just Mm -hmm. makes so much sense to me. And I definitely encourage everybody to, you know, dive into that because it's really fun. And then you look at the people in your life, the ones that are really, you know, your close people, the inner circle. Yeah. And, and do they emulate that descendant energy because they probably do, or you, if you're seeking something, if you're seeking that close circle, it kind of gives you a hint into what kind of energy really does fuel you socially and relationship and partner and all those things. Yeah. Also just a quick, I guess, plug, but if you, again, talking about empty houses, if you have nothing in the seventh house, just a reminder to go listen to an episode that we did release a while ago called empty houses, uh, where we do talk about like how to read a house if it's empty, because that doesn't mean that you, that means you never have a relationship in your life, right? Like Sierra said, you you will always have some sort of human interaction, regardless of if you have like a close partnership or not. So you, regardless of any of it, you have a seventh house, you have a ruler of your seventh house, and you have tools to interpret it. So you can check out our empty houses episode as well. Yeah. Yeah. And think about if you do have placements there, we can see how they're going to show up with that extra seventh house Libra influence mm-hmm. where, you know, maybe you're a Scorpio sun and it's in the seventh house and Scorpio has a tendency of like, woo, we're stinging, we're saying it, we're meaning it deep. And then seventh mm-hmm. house is all partnerships and more harmony and how you're relating with it. So there is going to be that influence coming in with no matter mm-hmm. what sign, no matter what planet. And like we mentioned in the part one, it just gives that extra kind of flavor to what you have going on there as well. Mm-hmm. So moving on, we've got the eighth house. Uh, this is our another succeedant house. And there's a correlation to Scorpio energy. This is the house of death and taxes. And this like speaks to the opposition side of it, where it's exactly opposite the second house where we discussed is your personal finances. The eighth house is joint finances, and it's about inheritance, which is also other people's money. So it eighth house deals with everybody else's possessions too. And this is where you really see that this top hemisphere of the chart is really about what's above the surface. It's not just you and like your intimate relationship to self anymore. We're really including other relationships. We're including other people's money. So this eighth house is about taboo topics. It's about death, sex, taxes, money, uh, the occult, and more psychologically, it's about you know, tapping into like our fear and shame and psychological healing. And as someone who has eighth house placements, I think placements in the eighth house indicate someone who has an interest in psychology or in the mm-hmm. makings of of somebody's emotional self or psychological self. Yeah. As someone who has eighth house placements, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> There's such a like morbid curiosity. To understand. Yes. Yes. And I love that you brought up that, you know, opposite to the second house. So, you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about opposite signs. If you have been here for a while, but this is the Scorpio correlated house, which is opposite the Taurus correlated house. So Taurus personal finances, you know, or sorry, second house personal finances. And like Mimi said, this is everybody else's money inheritance. And I love that. It's like, <laughs> death and taxes. And it's like, people are like, aren't they one in the same, you know, anyway. (laughs) 
It is like I think of the eighth house because this is the second house that has a correlation to a water sign, right? At first we had the fourth house, which had its correlation to cancer. It's about the emotional foundation of who you are, your core self, according to your upbringing in your childhood. And the eighth house is much more about sort of what we hide from ourselves in a way and also what we're uncomfortable talking about in public so that's why i say like taboo topics we are societally uncomfortable with talking about money or talking about sex or talking about the occult right talking about witchcraft those kinds of things although not in my freaking world but we're uncomfortable (laughs) 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 we're societally uncomfortable talking about death and how many taxes we pay in like anything that there's like a whoa that person just brought that topic up that's an eighth house topic Yes. And it's so interesting how it does oppose the house that has to deal so much with resources and values, because Mm -hmm. it's almost like when you put resources and values in the house of like, oh, but maybe we shouldn't talk about that. It'll make somebody uncomfortable. Like Mm -hmm. we can talk about, hey, I make this money myself. But the minute you talk about, hey, I inherited this money, it's like, oh, you didn't ask how much somebody else makes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Other people's money. And the same Mm -hmm. thing with that, you know, just any of the occult things, any of the taboo topics when you're talking about value, and then it's talking about the values that maybe there's a lot of opposing opinions on them. There's a lot of misunderstanding. Uh, This is very much, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is the house I think of as a deep dive. This is the deep dive of a lot of, you know, maybe second house ideas, but the deep dive of it, you know, with like the house of karma too. And as somebody who's got, oh man, I've got like, if you do understand like a, you know, more intense level of astrology, I've got Jupiter and Leo intercepted in my eighth house. And so this is just like, I've got like this, you know, really big, big planet placement, but then it's still hiding in a house that's hidden. (laughs) And so it's, you know, Mm -hmm. those are moments where it's, it's already a very hidden house, but as somebody who has Jupiter in Leo in the eighth house, it's like, wow, I really like and have the ability to shine the light very largely on the taboo mm-hmm. topics and make it feel a yeah. little brighter. So, you know, depending on yeah. what you've got going on there, um, I've also got my freaking Chiron in the eighth house in Cancer. And so it's like, you know, woof. That's, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of, um, again, everybody has the eighth house. Everybody has a sign that rules it. And you may or may not have placements there, but depending on how you of what sign you've got going on in your eighth house that's going to you know give us an idea of how you deal with these topics how you deal with you know mm-hmm. the occult topics how you deal with anything or do, how they show up death. yeah 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 exactly yeah. both how you deal with it and how they show up in your life where they yeah, show the up eighth in house themes like i think it's such a healing house because it's a yes. get to know yourself intimately house. And I actually think that like the fourth and the eighth house are both those very strong. How well do you know yourself? How well are you connected to yourself? And how willing are you to see those parts of you that you may have hidden from yourself or hidden from others? Love that you said the healing part too. Such a huge healing potential. If you think of it as, you know, isn't this like, um, like I feel like this is death and surgery as well, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't there? 
you know, like just like I that, because that, yeah. if you think about it, if you think about it as we're not putting a bandaid on something, we are surgical procedure. Mm-hmm. And if you go in and actually fix the source of something, that's when you can heal. You can't put a bandaid on a broken bone. You need to go in and get it reset and mm-hmm. it's painful and it's not a, it's not a small deal. That's a big deal. But then you can heal from there. Yeah. And so it's very much that we're not talking Band-Aid healing. We're talking about like <laughs> surgical, like this From is going to hurt, but then it's going to be so good afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if you, whether or not you have a placement or a planet in the eighth house, look to the eighth house of where in your life these topics are showing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the 12th house is also like sort of a connection to spirit guides where I think the fourth is like your connection to your present tangible family. The 12th house we'll get into it is more like ancestral family. The eighth house here is like a connection to your personal team. That is, and if you are a spiritual person, your personal spiritual team that is here to guide you and to help you heal. Yeah. 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 It's when, you know, we think about Taurus second house energy is being very tangible. And this is Scorpio watery energy. This is much more of the emotional type of healing. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah, it's, it's a lot of, uh, it's those topics that evoke emotion on a deep level. Yeah. So moving on, you want to do the honors? Yeah. Ninth house. What's up? Cadent house mm-hmm. and correlated to Sagittarius, but what? So we've got all of these, uh, travel and education. And especially, you know, we did mention, okay, it's the opposite of the third house. And that was early education. Now think more of higher education. Mm-hmm. Think more of the broader topics. We've already learned the basics. You know, we've we've learned that fundamental learning in that third house. And now we're getting to the philosophy yeah. type of topic. Like seeking and more. Yes. And, and a a larger understanding of things. This is not the manual. This is like the, I don't know, the philosophy book mm-hmm. and, or it's not the, it's not as much of a how-to, it's much more of a where it fits in in a larger scheme. And so, because again, associated with Sagittarius, so of course we've got travel mm-hmm. there, you know, of international affairs, expansion of the world. And so I, I think of this as the house of higher education, yeah. whether or not that literally means you're going back to university. We just, that's the way our society sets up higher education as a general thing. But, you know, when you decide that you want to start learning those bigger topics where you do want to start learning those bigger topics, I've got Virgo on the ninth house. Mm-hmm. And so the way in which I learned those bigger topics is super traditional. It's super regimented. It is like, I'm going to school and getting a certificate. I am going to like, I need like steps one through 12 of how to do this thing. And I want it to have it really laid out for me when I seek higher education. Somebody who, I mean, Mimi, you can talk about you and your ninth house and how that shows up for you. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of ninth house stuff and, and being even just knowing, like, I have always been like a cultural person in my like in a group of people i've always been someone who grew up with a lot of culture who grew up bilingual who grew up bicultural you know like all these things the ninth house is yes it's education it's also travel and it's about foreign affairs and how you connect to ideas other than your own or how you connect to the other um 
I also think like if you have like a Mercury or a Jupiter in your ninth house, yeah, you most likely learn a lot or you are given the opportunity to expand your knowledge through the traditional, yeah, I'm going to go to school for it because that's what it's for. That's what's set up for me to do it. Whereas if you have like Saturn in the ninth house, you went to the school of hard knocks, like you learned from life. That's how you're Uh, knowledge or expansion of the world really shows up. And I also want to say, like, as somebody who does have a lot of ninth house placements, this is also how you teach. Because even if you're not teaching in a like regimented setting, we're all somebody's teacher, we all teach each other things, right? We're all like on this planet doing life together. And we learn like the sixth house was mentors who our mentors are the ninth house is who you teach, and how you teach and how you learn how you receive big life lessons, and how you allow yourself to explore those big life lessons. And this is also like how we access our optimism, our sense of faith. The ninth house is also religious beliefs, where there are other houses for like the more spiritual, which I do want to say, I think this has sort of shifted in recent years, because I think that the ninth house being so strict on just religion is speaking to a world where organized religion was the norm. Whereas now yes, I feel yes. like spirituality and a more open-ended form of believing in something bigger than us is becoming more normal. And so as someone with a lot of ninth house placements, my beliefs are a big part of my life story. And I've got in um, whole, whole sign housing system, I have my son in the ninth house. So I shined a light a lot on like what I believe. And it's a big part of who I am and how I express myself is my connection to culture and what I know and my need to philosophize and talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> and talk forever. <laughs> You're on a good, good platform for that. No, <laughs> we see how travel and philosophy and teaching all come into play because even though those are three separate topics, if you just look at it very like on paper like that, but when you travel, you gain new understandings. When you mm -hmm. have new understandings and you're telling stories of your travels, it is, you know, just naturally teaching about that experience. You know, there is a lot of those, if it's more conceptual than the third house, mm -hmm. which is that Gemini associated house, which is a lot more you know, quick, here's the fact. It's like, this, this is, is a, a mental development that we all go through as children. We all deal with some form of like learning how to read and write or learning how to do math and stuff. Whereas ninth house is more of like, this is a choice. It's a privilege to get to live ninth house things. It's a privilege to get to travel. It's a privilege to go to higher education, at least in definitely in the United States. It's a major privilege to be able to go beyond high school, to be able to afford that, yeah. like, does, like ability to expand your knowledge and learn a lot of different ideals. Yeah. And thinking about, you know, if you if you had like Aquarius on the ninth house, unconventional ways in which you are learning the higher education, you know, mm. unconventional ways in which you like maybe go to school as far as, you know, higher education school, whereas mm -hmm. you've got me Virgo on the ninth. I did it in the most conventional ass way possible. I'm like, <laughs> I would like to learn a new topic. Therefore, I apply to school, like high school, university, master's, you know, and like, it just, it's like, okay, and here's the next step. And we follow a, a very Virgo way of doing things. So yeah. 
if you're thinking about that, like that's when you look to what you've got going on in the ninth house, where in your life is this showing up? Where are you, you know, where are you having your higher education and philosophy? And, you know, thinking about those topics, archetypes episode, go back to it to learn about each of the signs. Mm -hmm. And then you apply that to, oh, hey, I've got this going on in my ninth house. That makes sense as to why, you know, traveling is in this way. I am like the most organized traveler ever. I've got everything set up ahead of time. Like I am done. (laughs) Like it's just, you know, it is not an issue for me to travel. It's just naturally I'm very organized while doing it. You've Mm -hmm. got like, maybe if you've got Aries on the ninth house, you just like you travel right now and we're going and it's just, you know, and it's a little bit chaotic, but like we're doing it, we're doing it now. And Mm. if you've got Taurus here, maybe you travel for food, you really, you travel for food. So yes. in Placidus, this is a hundred percent me. In Placidus, my moon is in Taurus in the ninth house. A major, major motivating factor when I travel to a place is what is the cuisine? Will I enjoy all of the different foods? That is a huge decision making like factor for me when I travel because I want to know that I will get to nourish and indulge in some like beautiful cuisine, like beautiful food. And that is so ninth house in itself, because I'm not traveling to like, I'm not bringing my own food and my own, like, I need to make sure that I have like a routine Mm -hmm. and set and structure, I'm going to eat this, like, no, I'm doing it to immerse myself in the culture. And that's what ninth house is. It's like, understanding somebody else's upbringing or understanding another culture and the way they do things. And also like, coming to an acceptance that other people do things differently. Yes. Yes. The higher expanding part brings in that other people do things a different way. And Mm -hmm. I love that what you said, you're not going, you're not traveling to another place to bring your, you know, food habits there. You're traveling to another place to experience like their authentic food. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. I mean, pay attention. Ninth house. Why do you travel? Where do you travel? Is travel a big theme in your life? What? How do you seek like higher knowledge? Is it through your faith? Is it through conventional schooling? Is it through hard life lessons that you've learned? This is really all going to show up in your ninth house. Yeah. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you're enjoying it. We wanted to take a brief pause to let you know about Patreon and what we're doing over there. Every week we release extra episodes exclusively to our patrons. We discuss the current astrology and give a weather report of what's to come. We also let loose a little and share how we've noticed the planets are affecting us more personally and globally. If you go over to patreon.com slash the stars made me do it, you'll find that we have three affordable tiers to choose from. If you join our pop star tier for just $3, you get access to these public episodes before anybody else. Every week we release these episodes like the one you're listening to right now early. And if you join our Rockstar tier for $6, you get these episodes early as well as access to half of our bonus episodes we release every Thursday. So that means you get to hang out with the Firestorm a little bit more every other week. Lastly, if you join our Superstar tier for $9, you get the works. You get access to the early episodes as well as every week's exclusive astrological weather report. It's a great spot to share what's on your mind astrologically and have you how you've noticed the planets are showing up for you. 
And if you feel like you don't know enough about astrology to join, don't worry. Many of our patrons feel the same way. But joining us on Patreon, you get to learn so much more about astrology, see how it's affecting you in real time. So go check us out over at patreon.com slash the stars made me do it. And then we come to our last angular house. So that was the third quadrant. I know. Yeah. So how do those all tie in together? Like to you, how do you, how do you feel like those all connect with each other? It feels like, it feels like a step up from learning to me. You know, how do I relate to other people? Like what have Mm. I learned about myself to see what I seek in other people and where I show up for other people? And then it's, wow, like how am I going to heal through that process what topics have i maybe not explored because there was some shame there and mm-hmm. then now that i've kind of healed through that and have released a lot of that what do i want to know more about and make connections yeah. to it feels like much more of a connection little quadrant connecting mm-hmm. with others connecting with deep inner self and connecting with higher topics yeah it's like coming out of your shelter where the first through six house is mm-hmm. like you're safe in your shelter and you're sort of morphing into who you are and then beginning in the seventh house you put yourself out into a relationship and then in all of our relationships we see ourselves in a new light and we see like how we come off to other people and what we seek from our relationships and sometimes that can send us in through to that like eighth house spiral of oh wow I didn't realize this is who I am I want to get to know myself better and then once you come through that eighth house yeah like you said the ninth house higher higher understanding wanting to understand more wanting to know more exactly yeah Hmm. and when we then jump to our last quadrant oh yeah we hit our last and angular house so we are in the 10th house now which is the correlation with capricorn Mm -hmm. and this is also known as your midheaven and again shout out there is an episode way back when where mimi talks about nadir and midheaven yeah so check that out where it's an episode all about that for each specific sign so something that we didn't mention for the nadir and is also very much relevant to the midheaven is that Sometimes, depending on the system, if you're using whole sign housing, the Midheaven and the Nadir aren't always going to be in the 10th and the 4th house. For Placidus, Mm -hmm. so if you're using Placidus, the sign on the 10th house cusp is your Midheaven. And this is always going to be directly opposite the Nadir. Just like the Descendant is always exactly opposite the Rising or the Ascendant, the Midheaven, which stands for Medium Coeli, is always exactly opposite that nadir which i think is so interesting because the nadir is like the deepest point of who you are and like the most vulnerable like when you're in your sheltered state the core of your emotional self and then the midheaven is what you're presenting to the public so i think that's just so interesting like as a comment on humans that we almost always present as the total opposite of how we feel on the inside Oh, oh, we getting deep. We get deep. I'm thinking you <laughs> miss ninth house placements over there. Like <laughs> me and my Taurus midheaven. Yeah, for real. Me and yeah. my Taurus midheaven. I come across as reliable, as sturdy, as grounded, and just as like having some having some of my shit together. I would say. <laughs> and then you've got me with my Scorpio Nadir conjunct Pluto. Like on the inside, I'm actually like this ball of lava. You know, but that Taurus, I've got the shell of the lava outside that looks really like well put together. 
Yeah, that is really interesting because I've got Libra mm-hmm. as my midheaven and that comes across as very, you know, peacekeeper and mm-hmm. I can solve everybody else's problems and mm-hmm. come to me if you need advice on like what to do about this. And then on the inside, I'm like, wouldn't it be great if somebody asked me what I would like to do? Wouldn't it be great if somebody didn't come to me to solve their problems, but came to me to offer to help with mine, you know? And so there is that, like, you're so right, what we feel on the inside versus what we present on the outside. Mm -hmm. And that's just on midheaven specifically. So that like, maybe it's not 10th house because the 10th house can be separate from the midheaven. And it's just like going back onto like the opposition to the fourth house where the fourth house is the relationship to the nurturing and how, um, parents or you know more traditionally the mothers like the very nurturing loving unconditional protecting kind the 10th house is the relationship to authority and to discipline which is why it's traditionally the father but now with us understanding that we can take on whatever role we want through gender through parents whatever it's just our relationship to discipline and authority and how we how we contribute to the public and how we i almost think like all these 10th house placements is how you respect your own inner authority as well And it's so cool to look at the relationships in your life there, because like you mentioned in our part one, your third house, which is siblings Mm -hmm. is Libra and you have a sibling with a Libra moon and my 10th house, which could traditionally be the relationship with the father is Mm -hmm. Libra and my dad has a Libra moon. And so there's, you know, it's cool how you can find how these different energies show up in your Mm -hmm. chart, in the houses and everything this way. And in Placidus, you will like, yes, like Mimi said, your midheaven will be at the top. And if all of that talk of Placidus and whole sign is like, what are we even talking about? Mm -hmm. Isn't this a back to basics episode? It's hard not to mention it when we talk about houses, because we're like, this is like back to basics, but you're almost graduate, you're graduating to intermediate, you know? And so (laughs) it's, um, it is a lot, but let's say 10th house it has a very high potential of also being your midheaven. And if you think about 10th house versus fourth house now, you have that fourth house we talked about in part one, which is like home, family. And now you've got work, work life mm-hmm. and career and yeah. public eye. You know, what's going on at home versus what are you presenting out in the public world? And that's actually really such a good point that you brought up our inner selves versus our kind of like external selves, because often, like we say, you know, you don't know what's going on at home. You may present yourself this way, but then back at home, it's totally like the opposite way because it's the opposing energies in your Mm -hmm. chart. And so we do say for 10th house in general, though, associated with Capricorn, oh my gosh, Capricorn boss energy, like work, work, work. This Mm -hmm. is that career and the major goals, the authority figure, which again, like you said, is traditionally associated with the father. And so we have that, you know, Capricorn wants to be remembered for what their goals are and what they accomplished, what they did. People know about it. Mm -hmm. And so that makes sense that a lot of those themes show up for our 10th house which is how we show up publicly to the yeah. to the world and is often our career. Yeah. And you look at now we've looked at all of the three more profession houses. So the second, like we said in part one, is about how you literally receive your income, what you do for an income. The sixth house is what your work environment looks like. The 10th house is long-term career game, 
right? So it's not about your day-to-day. It's about the bigger picture, what your career is, because it's not just about work. It's about how you contribute to society. It's about how you contribute to the world at large. And that's one reason why it is your public persona. It's if you're put on a pedestal in front of a crowd of 200 people, the persona that you're putting on. And that's why this is a different but similar flavor to the ascendant, to the rising, where the rising is you're walking into a party situation, maybe 30, 50 people. You introduce yourself as like, yeah, hi, I'm Mimi. This is, yeah, this is who I am. This is my personality. The 10th house says, hello, I am Mimi, and this is what I'm doing for you. I am Mimi, and this is what I do for the world, right? It's being put on a pedestal that's being seen by a larger group of people. And what of the rising personality are you going to strip away to be an even more succinct and like condensed professional version of you? Yes. I have like, I have learned it as how people expect you to show up. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the rising is you're a part of that decision, decision almost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas your, your 10th house is how people and like, you know, mid heaven there, like how people expect you to show up. Like I never really go into a situation intending on mediating it. Mm -hmm. And yet Libra on the 10th house, that is what people expect of me. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny to think about how before I even knew this, before I even got into like astrology to this level, I went back to get a degree in like mediation, mm-hmm. global development and peace. Like, I, and, and that just is something that I realized through other people kind of expressing that, wow, I have this ability to mediate and take this person and this person, see what they both are feeling and find that middle ground. And what a freaking Libra 10th yeah. house is that, you know? And so it's what people expect and show up to and I also, another great example that I remember learning that Sagittarius on the 10th is like, oh, salesman, because there's like that charisma, like the Mm. salesperson energy. And I was like, I bet money that my dad has a 10th house Sagittarius. And of course he does. And he's so, (laughs) you know, it's (laughs) because that's, and also my dad's a great example as a career. I mean, he travels for work. And that's what he loves to do. Freedom with work. Freedom is huge in the workplace for him. Mm -hmm. And and having the ability to take a vacation when you want, but you might be working while you're on vacation, traveling for work, doing like commuting, whatever it is, working with people from all over. Like that would be how Sagittarius would show up in that, you know, 10th house career energy, you know? Yeah. So like Sierra said, if you want to know more about like the midheaven itself and like 10th house, the sign on the 10th house and what that means, go listen to the episode where we talk about the midheaven and Nadir because it's a really good tool. But just know that if you have a lot of planets in your 10th house, these are themes that are very important throughout your life. These are things that will show up and are major points in the outline of your story as this person that you've chosen to be in this lifetime. Yeah. And depending on what those planets are, like if you are someone who has Venus Mm -hmm. in the 10th house, you like, in my opinion, you have to be doing 
what you love in order to feel satisfied. There's some, I think there's some people who, <laughs> me, me, ding, ding. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's some people that I think genuinely have that separation where they're like, I can work mm -hmm. in order to support myself. And then I'll do what I love, you know, mm -hmm. as on the side at home for myself. And then there's people who Venus in the 10th, if you're not doing what you love, there's just such a lack of satisfaction that can't fuel that mm -hmm. sustainably. Yeah throw in a moon in there and you know then you really got to do what makes you feel comfortable and what makes you feel good so that's me also a yeah. moon in the 10th house maybe your home is a big part of your career maybe you work in home renovation maybe you work in care in dealing with a lot of mothers or the mother-child relationship dealing in family therapy something like that all the planets whatever the themes of those planets are going to show up in your career or in how you contribute to the public exactly yeah again really potent house here with mm -hmm. these angular houses yeah and that's the last angle yeah. that we got for you so soak it all in soak it up moving on to the 11th house mm -hmm. So the 11th house is our last succeedant house. It has a correlation to Aquarius. I always think of the 11th house as like pretty conceptual, similar to the 9th house. It's kind of like it takes a minute for you to wrap your head around it. Um, this is the house mm -hmm. of hopes and dreams and sort of like aspirations is a really good word i think for the 11th house it's like okay yes 10th house is your goals and like how and making the outline for your goals the 11th house is what makes you feel really connected to your dreams and your goals and aspirations and how are you going to do that and the 11th house is also very like humanitarian it's about social justice which again speaks to aquarian energy and it's also like where the third house is your close friends, the 11th house is large communities. It's crowds of people, people who have a like-mindedness about them and also who form a team together because you have a cause that brings you together. And the 11th house yes. is like your virtual world, which I think is something that you don't see a lot in traditional astrology whatsoever because this is a very recent growth in our world that the virtual world is a huge part of our lives now and so the 11th house is going to speak on what your virtual world looks like what your social media presence looks like even though that is also 10th house what you put out in social media the 11th house is how you approach the virtual world how you make bigger connections with larger groups of people yes oh I love that so much. And speaking of someone who has an 11th house son, mm -hmm. it just, you know, it makes so much sense with that connection to large groups of people, yeah. technology wise, what's up podcast community, yeah. magical book club. Hey, yeah. you know, like that is larger social circles. And I love the idea of it being the house of hopes and dreams because there is that difference that is really fascinating to think about between a goal and a hope and a dream. And it's almost like when your hopes and dreams have a plan, that's when it becomes a goal in a mm. way, which seems very 10th house. This is the plan that I've set. But that 11th house reminds us to bring the inspiration in mm -hmm. a little bit more and to have that beyond the tangible thinking, because this is associated with Aquarius, but this is an airy house. Like, let us dream a little bit bigger. Let's have a whole different way of thinking about these things. You know, yeah. we can't put a tangible factor on hope, but we can certainly let it inspire what we do. I almost feel like 10th house, the 
energy of the 10th house is like a politician making a promise during a campaign saying like, I will do this for us. And the 11th house is like, once they've been elected in the actual things they do to further that cause, right? How they fulfill yeah. that promise they've set or don't. Yes. But that's oh, I love, I love that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're in an ideal world. In an yeah. ideal world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Imagine. Imagine if that's how it worked. So, um, like, think about, okay, if you have got Aries on the 11th house, a very important social cause for you is confidence, physical body confidence. It's about athleticism and movement being really important. If you've got Virgo on the 11th house, maybe you your cause is health having routines being in place and and make like self-care being a big cause for you. I mean, what else could there be? Sagittarius on the 11th house, maybe the big social cause for you is education, making sure education is really accessible to the whole world at large, things like that. Like what is the social cause that is most important to you? And how do you put yourself out there as a contributor to that cause, as a supporter, an ally? Yeah, yeah. And how you can see how like, like you mentioned with having Saturn, let's say in the seventh house before mm -hmm. and how Saturn rules delays, having Saturn in the 11th house, maybe finding your larger community, finding, you know, your hopes and dreams that inspire you, finding the humanitarian efforts and social justices that speak to you and that ignite you. Mm -hmm. That's something that happens later in life where there's something that happens where you you then as, you know, and I don't know, like not as a child, you know, as like a, someone who's mm -hmm. gone through their Saturn's return, yeah. like then gets inspired to, okay, I found this connection. So you can see how these different planets can show up. You've got Venus in the 11th, the connection with larger groups of people like that maybe is where you meet your people, mm -hmm. where you meet your person, meet your like your partner. Yeah, exactly. Your partner with that Venus there could be in a large social setting. So yeah, look to the planets and look to the ruler. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, the, 11th house? the big kahuna. The big kahuna. <laughs> we got the 12th house. Yes. <laughs> 12th house is that cadent house. It is correlated with Pisces and it is the house of karma and unfinished business. Yeah. The 12th house is one <laughs> that like, no matter how many times I teach it or explain it to somebody once it connects for you personally, then that's when you've learned the 12th house. It's such a journey to learn about your own, your own 12th house, and then to try and explain to somebody else what their 12th house looks like. It's like the same as being like, oh, this is the core of who you are. You can only postulate that. That's the word that's coming to mind with the information, but you'll never truly connect and understand with such an empathy what somebody else's 12th house feels like for them. And the 12th house is like just so elusive. And of course it is. It's like the Piscean correlation house. It's elusive and it takes introspection to get to that deep understanding. Yeah. And in a similar Pisces way, we have words like escapism mm -hmm. and or self-sabotage because we have that, you know, disassociating in what way do you like disassociate and which yeah. way in what way do you need to escape and you know it's so fluid and it cannot be pegged down because this is 
a very, again, one of the watery houses, like we talked about the fourth house associated with cancer, eighth house associated with Scorpio. Now I've got the 12th house associated with Pisces. And so when things are connected to that watery emotion, they can't be as tangibly explained. We've got the mm. opposite here of the sixth house, which is all about it, which is traditionally associated with Virgo, you know? And so mm. we've got the Virgo has a list that they've made like sixth house. This is what I'm doing every day. This is how I'm being of service to others in the tangible mundane. Here we go. And then mm -hmm. now this is like, how do I connect on a larger scale? Like yeah, there is the not a schedule here. There is a, you know, there's a way of serving my soul as opposed to serving, serving somebody in the workplace. Yeah. Um, something we didn't talk about was how 11th house opposes 5th house. And I just want to go back really quickly and just discuss that for a second, because the 5th house is the house of self-expression and it's about you and your creative pursuits, whereas the 11th is you becoming a voice for others. And I just wanted to say that really Ooh. quick because I felt like that, yes. that was um, something that we skipped over. But the 12th house, going back to escapism for sure, I think a tangible way to explain the 12th house is any situation that pulls you out of reality. And ways that we can see that are um, institutions, hospitals. When you're in a hospital, you feel like you're in the hospital's world. You don't feel like you're in the the world that we like do things on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, spirituality, meditation, a spiritual retreat. When you're camping, these are 12th house things that we do to remove ourselves from the everyday mundane reality that we all accept as our lives. Yes. And the negative side of that is maybe some of the vices that we use to escape from reality or real situations that we don't feel equipped to handle. And so sometimes when I see someone who has a lot of 12th house placements, I will say, okay, what is your form of escaping? What triggers you into escaping? And what is the best way especially for someone with a lot of 12th house placements, what is the best way for you to reconnect with reality in a way that isn't overwhelming for you? Because this is a placement for, um, from what I've seen personally, and I'm not trying to diagnose anybody, it, this is a placement for depression or any sort of substance abuse. I have found that there is like a lot of 12th house influence there because it plays into how we are removed from the grounded reality of a situation. Yes. Yes. I totally see that. And I've got my Mercury and Venus there. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to, you know, in the 12th house and just thinking of how I'm such a fantasy reader mm, and lover, yeah. and even like my, my art, like art, which is so Venus influenced, I love the like fantasy element, mm -hmm. which is so disconnected from reality. Like there doesn't have to be pegged down rules in the 12th house. There's no solid, this is how it is. It's like, well, this is imaginative how it could be. There's so much there. It's very fluid. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the idea of unfinished business, this is such a karmic house. And we touched on how the eighth house is karmic as well, but the 12th house is like your ancestral karma in a way and like your intergenerational healing or 
generational healing, not intergenerational, but how you heal wounds from that were formed generations before you were here. There's a deep connection mm. to your past lifetimes or to um, your lineage. I think of the 12th house as being the house of your ancestors and how you connect to your ancestors. And it's also a house of healing. And so what are what is the unfinished business that you have come into this world with, which is funny because the 12th house is also life in the womb. Right. So it's like, yes, what what your mother was carrying while she was carrying you in her belly. We absorb the information. We absorb emotion and feelings when we are in our pregnant mother's bellies. And what is that unfinished business that we have to find? Because when we're developing yeah. like that, we don't intellectually or conceptually understand what it is that maybe our our mothers like transferred to us. But as we grow older, we realize there is unfinished business that needs to be healed through. And so that 12th house is going to point to how to connect to it, how to work through it. Um, yeah. So again, yeah. it's quite elusive. Yeah. But it's very elusive. And but that's that's the point here mm-hmm. is that it's elusive. Like that is 12th house energy. That is that Piscean energy, you know, that it is, it cannot be pegged down. So we're giving you as much of a explanation as we can, but that's something to take away from it too, is that there are no hard and fast rules in the 12th house Mm -hmm. because we can give you that overview. Like you gave a really great overview of everything with what we absorb, you know, it is dealing with these emotional things too. We don't have, we don't always have, a word for emotion because it's a feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what happens in these watery houses, like the 12th house. And just thinking with that spiritual connection, you know, spirituality can't have, this is what it feels, this is what it's like when you have a spiritual connection, people who have big spiritual moments, it's beyond words. It's Mm -hmm. a feeling, it's an experience. And so that's another way in which you can't peg down those type of things. And I also love, I don't love, but the 12th house also rules hidden enemies. And so far, like the fourth, the eighth and the 12th, there's a hidden element here. The fourth is what we hide from the public. The eighth is maybe what we hide from ourselves because we have repressed feelings in the eighth house. And the 12th house is what's being hidden from us. Who is or who or what energy is sabotaging us? So I love that hidden enemies. That's been a very, that's a very traditional 12th house rulership I don't know how relevant it is like in everybody's day-to-day life because I feel like back in the day when astrology was used to like guide peoples through wars it was like okay who's the hidden enemy to the king like (laughs) that's what it was more for but I think there's still some like truth and validity and relevance in our lives now on a smaller scale of who the hidden enemies are because again our hidden enemies are only in our lives because we have unfinished business that we need to tackle and take care of. Yeah, for sure. There is just a lot of hidden feelings mm-hmm. in this 12th house too yeah. because we aren't tethered to anything. So there's, it just makes me think of floating in space, you know, and when, where you find connections, like that's what I feel like with 12th house energy and it it deals with creativity and flow Mm -hmm. because you, sometimes there isn't a, you know, sometimes there's a rule of like paint by numbers, but then Mm -hmm. it's like the creative feeling of, I'm just going to paint this, or I'm just going to sing this, or I'm just going to write this, you know, from a from a place of emotion and I'm in the state of flow right now. I'm in this creative moment. That is where there aren't borders in that moment. Mm -hmm. There aren't hard and fast lines. 
something that we I forgot to mention for the six houses, because the sixth house is like our physical, tangible, our mentors, the people in our lives that help us throughout like the day to day also rules aunts and uncles, which I love how aunts and uncles are like built in mentors in our lives. Um, The 12th house is very opposite to that. It is not a tangible, here is a person in your life who is here to guide you. It's like, okay, here's some ancestors that are trying to reach out to you to help guide you. Um, Also the sixth house rules pets. And I cannot believe I forgot to say that in part one. I literally had it in my head and then got (laughs) off on a tangent. Yes. Sixth house rules pets. (laughs) So but unless so yeah. this is our last quadrant the 10th 11th and 12th it's so much bigger than just you like we've gone from the first and first quadrant which is first second and third house all about whoa here i exist in the world here are my resources i'm going to develop my mind and all the way to this last quadrant of the 12 houses it's about here's what i contribute to society i'm an adult now i'm contributing this to society 11th house really following through on those goals and then 12th house is also the house of death in some ways it's not in the intense way that the eighth house is but it definitely has a death is elusive to us and death is a mm-hmm. an escape from reality for lack of a better freaking yeah. term it's like a horrible way to say it but <laughs> <laughs> sorry if that was triggering yeah. anyway but the 12th house is like here's the ending point whereas the first house and but i love that it cycles back yes it's the ending point it's afterlife but it's also the beginning point again because it's life in the womb and then we start the cycle all over again starting with the first house and especially if you believe in reincarnation to go from the 12th house and to begin the cycle all over again and become a new life yeah ooh again with the philosophy i'm loving this <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that's that's where I I love I love speaking in like ideas and concepts like that but I also know that for these back to basics episodes we want to have succinct information and very clear yeah facts about it but I think that you learn so much by immersing yourself in big conversations and even if you only mm-hmm. really absorbed 25% of what was said through part one and part two, that's still a, a lot that you've absorbed. And who knows what you took in without realizing that you've taken it in. Okay. So if you feel yeah. overwhelmed by these two parts, that's totally normal. That's totally fine because the houses is really where you become an intermediate. Yes, this is back to basics because it is sort of like a part of a three-part equation. You've got planets, you've got signs, you've got houses. There's your three-part equation. But houses really opens up a whole new world in astrology. And like kudos to anybody listening who made it through this that like really not made it through this like it's homework or a chore, but who like (laughs) put the intention to really take in the information. Yeah. And for those like we talked about in part one, like like Mimi and I come at it from like slightly different perspectives as far as houses. Mm -hmm. But since I am someone who does find a lot of use in connecting with the signs that naturally rule these houses, I would even recommend going back and listening to our archetypes part one and two to really re, you know, to build that solid understanding of what, what is Pisces energy? What does Mm -hmm. Pisces energy mean? Because then if I have a deep understanding of Pisces energy, I can apply that to the 12th house now because the 12th house is correlated to Pisces. And for me, when I have a deep understanding of that of that one thing, I can apply it 
to something else. Mm -hmm. So that is how I would personally go about doing this is making sure I had a deep understanding of each of the signs, because then I can associate them without, you know, it's not the same thing, but it is associated. A Pisces decorated the 12th house. In, my, in in Sierra world, that's how I explain. <laughs> <laughs> it's using vocabulary that you're already comfortable with, which is a really nice way exactly. to simplify the equation a little bit, you know? Oh, and I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, elementary school teacher is here to simplify the equation. And so Absolutely, I think yeah. that, you know, that's the way in which I, I do simplify it. And then the deeper understanding comes from the real life experience and understanding of, mm -hmm. wow, okay, this is what Aquarian energy means. Okay, this is what 11th house energy means. And holy crap, I got my son in the 11th house. Yeah. So now I can see yeah. a real life example of what that, how that shows up to me personally. Mm -hmm. And I can apply that to the other things. So like Mimi said, it is not easy. And you guys are awesome for yeah. attacking the houses and trying yeah. to, you know, get that deeper understanding because it is so, so incredibly useful when you mm -hmm. really develop that new piece of astrology. Totally. Woof. So. I know. <laughs> I'm like, how do we end this? I know. <laughs> well, yeah, this is basically what we do. And I'm like overwhelmed. It's so much information. It's, it's really valuable information. So I'm glad that this is out there. Um, and yeah. Please follow us. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash the stars made me do it. We're going to put our voices on vocal rest because we've been chatting forever. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and definitely, you know, in the comments on this, if you've got, you know, questions that come up about a certain house, or if you want to confirm something, definitely mm -hmm. reach out to us. That's what we're here for. And, you know, that's why we love our Patreon community too, because we get to get into the nitty gritty and actually see your chart and we can go into it, dive into it deeper, but we mm -hmm. love connecting with people. So please definitely reach out, whether it be on Instagram, whether that shows up as joining our Patreon community. So check us out over on Instagram at the stars made me podcast. You can find mm -hmm. Mimi over at mimis.me and harveymountain.alchemy. You can find me over at magical book club and we do our own separate things and we do our stuff together and we love astrology and we love you guys. <laughs> and on that note, Mimi, <laughs> why did we talk about <laughs> houses part two today? <laughs> Oh my God, because the stars made us do it. <laughs> <laughs>